0: Wonderful. You're counselor. You're the mighty God. You are our everlasting eternal Father. You're the Prince of Peace. You're the great I Am. You're all that we could ever ask for. Thank you, Lord, for having mercy upon sinners like us to free us from the penalty of sin. And as we walk with you, Lord, you're freeing us in our walk with you from the power of sin also. Thank you. Lord. Thank, you Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, how could we not worship? It's, it's good protocol to say thanks when someone does something good for you. We're created to worship. We're saved to worship. We've been chosen to worship. We've been predestined to worship. We've been made and recreated and created and bought with a price to worship. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Lord. Let's give our praise one more time. Thank you, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're here visiting with us today. We so appreciate you being our guest. It's our desire every time we come together as a congregation to spend some time approaching the throne of God and lingering in His presence. It's there that our hearts are prepared to receive His Word. It's there that sicknesses are healed, that relationships are restored. It's there that we hear God speak to us personally, remind us of things. It's there that we're encouraged. It's there that we're comforted. It's all about His presence. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Sherita and Karen. Didn't they do a great job? Thank you. Thank you, generations. Praise. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. You're turning your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1, chapter 2. Maranatha. That's an Aramaic phrase. The word the early church would often use to greet one another it means the Lord is coming we say that together Maranatha Maranatha. the Lord is coming coming. hallelujah he's not just saved us and done great things for us in the past and working in our lives in the present but we have a future to look forward to as well amen Amen. yesterday today and forever what an awesome God that we serve while you're turning to first Peter chapter 2 I'd like to make one announcement. Next uh, weekend, I think around 20 churches in Granbury are meeting on Friday night at Acton Baptist Church to worship together and to be exhorted and encouraged in the area of servant evangelism. And then Saturday morning, we're all meeting at our various churches at 9 or 10 o'clock. We're going to meet at 9 here this coming Saturday morning. And they're praying together and encouraging one another, and then they're going out and doing acts of kindness to be a witness uh, to Granbury, to our city. Some will be filling people's, tank, filling people's cars up with gas and paying for it. Others will just be pump attendants. Remember the old day when you used to pull up to a gas station and everything was done for you? They'll be cleaning windows, things like that. And so in the past, we have done things like mowing yards and cleaning up neighborhoods and going door to door and praying for the sick. This time, I really, I really feel I haven't bounced off the elders yet. I know this. We're going to meet here this Saturday at 9 but I feel we're to go out and look for things to do. And in the meantime, go door to door and invite people to church who do not have a church home. And if there's anything we can pray with them about, just go out two by two, door to door. Who 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 could join me here this Saturday morning at 9? We'll head out at 10. We won't want to knock people doors at 9.15 and wake them up, make them mad. That's the church that wakes people up, you know. But. Anyway. All right, have you found 1 Peter 2 yet? All right, let's uh, look at the context here and go to 1 Peter 1. You know, the chapters and verses were added hundreds of years after these were written. Verse 22, Peter's writing to believers. He says, since you have purified your souls, that is, your lives or your innermost being, In obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So how are our souls purified? By obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. So we want to obey the truth, but we really can't do it without the Holy Spirit's help, right? And we really can't do it if we don't do it in love. Amen? So we obey the truth in the power of the Spirit and in in love with God and one another. Do you see that? So maybe obedience to the truth would be to warn someone about their life. That, hey, uh, I did that and you're going to go broke if you declare your house is a sovereign state and stop paying your taxes. I've got a friend that tried that. Uh, <laughs> we're to obey those that are in authority over us. And... Uh, You can go back and look in the law books hundreds of years ago, but you've got to look at precedent. What does the law mean now? You declare your house a sovereign state and secede from the union, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. So so you approach your brother with that. You don't go to him and tell him the truth and say, you're a moron. No, you, you, you obey the Lord, tell him the truth in love. Say, brother, in love with the help of the Holy Spirit. So... We are purified, since you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. A pure heart. We don't want to love one another fervently uh, for erotic reasons. You see that? A pure heart. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the Word of God that lives... And abides forever. I believe that when God says it, it settles it. Whether I believe it or not, it settles it. I, I I like that bumper sticker that says God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. But in reality, whether I believe it or not, it's God said it, that settles it. It's it's our challenge. God's word tells us to study. To to just study his word and see what it's really saying. And if your theology has contradictions in it, you've got to understand uh, what he's really saying. All right. Because, verse 24, all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as a flower of the field. The grass withers and its flower falls away. I love the Texas wildflowers. I don't know what happened to our blue bonnets out front, but I love the flowers we do have. But the word of the Lord endures forever. If it comes to believing your favorite preacher or believing the Word of God, the whole counsel of God, you better choose the whole counsel of God. Because as humans, we all are going to die one day. Show the Lord Terry, we will die. It's appointed unto man once to die. The Word says that. Um, Some people take a few verses out of context and preach the never-die doctrine. You know, Jesus said, He who believes in me will never die and yet we know all his followers who believed in him did die what was he saying you won't die spiritually you will never cease to exist that doesn't mean there's not death for our human bodies because uh these things need to be replaced thank god our hearts have been reborn our minds are being renewed and our bodies are going to be replaced now at 53 years of age with a finger that's numb all the time i'm really thankful for that day But I'm healed. Amen. Amen. Now, this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. Now, let's go to our text. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. Let's say all. all. So I think the word is implied that, he, that we're to lay aside uh, all malice all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. So if we have tasted the graciousness of God, and we all have, then we should trust him enough to take his word for what it says and allow it to mature us, to impact our lives, to show us how to live, to be a light to our path and a lamp to our feet, to purify our hearts and to straighten out the crooked things in our life. Who believes that? Amen. All malice. Malice means the intention or desire to cause harm or pain to someone. Deceit is the act or practice of deceiving or misleading someone. Hypocrisy is a false claim or a pretense of being something that we're not Envy is the resentful or unhappy feeling of wanting someone else's success, favor, good fortune, qualities, or possessions. Envy, as a noun, is a resentful or unhappy feeling. It is an iniquity. It's more than just a feeling, but the secular dictionary defines it as resentment, and that's an unhappy feeling of wanting somebody what belongs to someone else. It's similar to jealousy, but jealousy relates to what belongs to you. Uh, you may be jealous of your spouse because you fear losing him or losing her. But envy relates to someone else. You, if, if it deals with somebody's spouse, it wouldn't be your own. It would be somebody else's spouse. As a verb, it means to desire or to resent something that's possessed by someone else. Looking at 1 Peter 2 again, therefore laying aside, let's all say lay aside, aside. all malice, all deceit. Yeah, let's read it together. Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. I love that confusing sound of all the multiple translations. You know, if we were—if you ever go to a King James Only church, they're all reading the same translation. It is awesome to hear them read the Word of God. It is awesome, and we lose something when we have our various translations, but we gain something as well because we're able to understand it. Um, Shakespeare's plays—you've got to have a dictionary to understand some of the dialogue that happens—and the King James uh, version is similar to Shakespeare. All right, we need to lay aside or lose our envy. Today, we're speaking on envy. Uh, Somebody said envy is our most most common problem that none of us admit to having. But it can be there. It can sneak up on you. How do I know so much about it? Because I'm human too. It can sneak up on us. How can we lose it? It's not just a matter of, Ooh, I'm not going to envy anymore. Ooh, that's like saying, Ooh, I'm not going to sin anymore. I mean, there's... Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. It's not us picking ourselves up by our own bootstraps. That's like trying to keep a beach ball under the water. It's eventually, you're going to wear out and it's going to pop up. It's the power of God and his principles that bring purity to us. Amen. And so today, we'd like to speak on envy, how we can lose it. Job 5.2 says that wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. Proverbs 14.30 says, a sound heart is life to the body, but envy is rottenness to the bones. It really hurts us. An English proverb reads, envy shoots at others, but wounds itself. Um, The Germans have a proverb that says, envy eats nothing but its own heart. It will devour us. Uh, Frank Tiger said, you can't be envious and happy at the same time. So, if you're here today and you're not sure about this Jesus stuff, I want you to feel included in this. While I am speaking to believers, this applies to the whole human race. If we, as humanity, as common creations of god would get a grip on the envy thing it would what would put an end to the advertising world because they seek to develop envy you know but it would stop wars a lot of problems that envy causes but before i dive into it let's watch this as we introduce introduce the topic of envy (laughs)
1: Envy is something that we have all been guilty of at one time or another. We all know someone that has a better job, a bigger house, or a big screen TV that we wish we had and they didn't. It is important that we do not let envy creep into our lives and cause us to think sinful thoughts. But it can be difficult, especially if you've got a neighbor like mine with his fancy foreign car. I mean, how does he afford that thing? And it's not like he deserves it either. I work a lot harder at my job than he does at his. He doesn't even wash it right. If I had that sweet car, I would hand wash it every day. Yeah, I'd show him if I had that car. What were we talking about? These have been Deep Thoughts from a Shallow Christian.
0: today is strong, but I I want us to be able to laugh because sugar helps the medicine go down. Amen. (laughs) Envy, a biblical view. Envy was the sin at the door of Cain's heart that God told him to rule over. You remember the story? Cain and Abel in Genesis chapter four offered offerings to the Lord. The Lord, I don't know how he did it, showed Abel that his sacrifice was accepted, but he did not accept Cain's sacrifice. A case could be made was that Abel's sacrifice was a blood sacrifice and therefore it was rejected. But I, I think in reality it was because Cain's heart wasn't right. In fact, uh, when he was so upset, God spoke to him. I mean, how many would like to have God speak to an audible voice? He had the honor of God speaking to him. It says, why are you upset? If you did well, you would have been accepted. But sin lies at the door of your heart. It's crouching and it desires to have you. And you should rule over it. I believe he got hit with envy. And what did he do? Out of envy, he killed his brother. And so envy is a destructive thing. Uh, Envy was what caused Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. I mean, a case could be made that, uh, you know, Jacob was not a perfect father. He he had some problems. And, of course, he had two wives and two concubines and children from all four. And any man that has that going on is not going to be a real good dad. He's got a lot of chaos happening. Anyway, he favored Joseph. The rest of them envied him and sold him into slavery. Envy can cause horrendous sin. Envy was what turned Miriam and Aaron against Moses. I mean, how dare they do this? They saw God use him mightily in bringing deliverance to Egypt. But you've got to remember, they knew Moses when he was a baby. Miriam was the one who rescued him from the Nile, uh, rescued him from being separated from his family when Pharaoh's daughter found him floating in that little boat down the Nile River. She's the one that stepped out and bravely said, hey, I could find a nurse for this baby and, and made the connection between Pharaoh's daughter and her mother, which was Moses' mother as well. She did a lot of great things. Moses wouldn't be where it what, where, where he was if it wasn't for her. But yet she turned against him because probably she thought he's too big for his britches. Maybe she thought she should be the one that God had chosen. But the point is, God is God. And Moses isn't. God chose him. And she definitely had a part of it, but she turned against Moses, sought to sow seeds of discord, and she did it by criticizing his wife. Envy's a very subtle thing. Sometimes it won't show its true motive. It'll try to do other things in her life. Anyway, God, God gave her a good spanking, and her and Aaron repented. Envy was what drove the enemies of Jesus to push for his crucifixion. Uh, Pilate, the Bible says in Matthew and also in Mark, he knew they wanted him dead because they envied him. In the story of the prodigal son, the elder brother's problem was envy. Yet envy blinds us to what we have. He, it blinded him to the fact that he could have a party anytime he wanted. It blinded him to the fact that he had authority. It blinded him to the fact that everything the father had was now his. As the elder brother, he got a double portion anyway. So it makes us blind to God's blessings in our life. Envy was behind the persecution of the early church in Acts 13 and also in 17. It tells about their enemies stirring up trouble, and they did it because of envy. They basically envied them because the church was getting bigger crowds than the synagogue was. Envy divided the first Christians from one another. Paul warned the Corinthian church, he said, for where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And he takes the word of God and gives them a chastening. Envy is in the big middle of our sinful God-rejecting world. Romans 1.28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, that's the world we live in, God gave them over to a debased mind, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, and then it goes on with a whole list of other unpleasant sins. Full of envy. We live in a world that is filled with envy and it capitalizes on it. I think there's even a perfume called envy. Uh, There's a business called massage envy. I mean... You can't beat it, join it. You know, they, they use it in their marketing. Envy is not a part of the nature of love. First Corinthians 13 tells us that love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Can we say that together? Love, love does not envy. It just doesn't. You know, uh, we're exhorted by the scriptures to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And as believers, it is, most of the time, I think, easier to weep with those who weep than it is to rejoice with those who rejoice. Because someone going through hard times, you're not tempted to envy them. I mean, you know. But in reality, that's my brother, that's my sister. If they're blessed, I'm blessed. Amen? Amen. Envy is not to be a part of the believer's lifestyle. It's just not. We have to deal with it. Paul told the Roman church, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. Envy causes strife. Where there is envy, there is going to be problems. So we have to watch out for it. Envy is serious enough to have eternal consequences for those who retain it in their life's practice. Galatians 5, Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, (laughs) envy. Murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I told you, tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, we need to allow the Word of God to convict us where it speaks truth to our hearts. Do not use Romans 8 1 to resist the truth. Romans 8 1 says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. How many is glad about that? Read the rest of the verse. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What that means is if we walk after the flesh, we open the doors to condemnation. Conviction comes from God. Condemnation comes from the enemy. Condemnation comes from the enemy when he pushes truth too far. When when we do it to ourselves many times, we push truth truth too far. We fall into envious temptation. One more time, we give up hope. There's no hope for us. That's condemnation. Conviction brings hope. There is a promise in the Bible that our lives can reflect the steps that god has ordained for us the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord we can walk free from envy if you don't believe that you won't ever you'll just surrender to it and claim the promise there's therefore now no condemnation of those who are in christ jesus there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are christ jesus you just repeat that a hundred times it won't be true to you because the rest of the promises to those who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit i want to walk after the spirit don't you So as we walk after the Spirit, He shows us the areas of our life where He wants to bring change. And He usually does it one thing at a time. Condemnation attacks everything wrong in our lives and creates despair. The Holy Spirit brings conviction. So today, there may be one of us, maybe all of us, may just be me. He's putting His finger on envy. and said, boy, girl, daughter, son, let's deal with this. You need to be set free in this area. Because would heaven be heaven if it was full of envious people? Your mansion's bigger than mine. It's not fair. I don't believe the words, it's not fair, are going to be heard in heaven. Stone. Well, I believe that song that says, just build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. Well, Jesus said there's mansions there already. All right. Envy is evil and unwise. Duh. Who is wise and understanding among you? James three thirteen. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. Don't deny it. Admit it. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. Don't boast and lie that you don't have envy when you have it there's a a brother in this church that i highly respect and i've seen him do this more than once if he envies someone he'll go to them and confess it you know i've been envying you just bring it out in the light he doesn't confess some sin that he committed because they envy he just you know i've been slandering you No, no i've been envying you and brother i just i just wanted to let you know that's maturity For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And it goes on to talk about this is not wisdom that's from above. Here's a picture of envy. The big dog is green with envy because the little dog has the bigger bone. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the big dog has the bigger body No doubt he can run faster. No doubt he can win fights easier. No doubt he is stronger. And yet he's envious of what someone else has. Envy does that to us. It blinds us to the blessings that are in our lives and just consumes us with what somebody else has. And what it does is it makes us vulnerable to lying spirits that will come to us and tell us things about that person that are not true and make us think it's God. It creates carnal words of knowledge. It just does. So a word of wisdom is, is if it's in your heart, don't believe any confirming thought that comes to you. Because the enemy wants to build strongholds in our life where we won't let go of a particular sin and it keeps us trapped. So all the confirming witnesses, and by all means, don't hang out with envious people because they'll... they'll They'll help, help you build a corporate stronghold. Just stay sweet, love Jesus, and repent when you get attacked with this. How to lose it. I'm not even going to talk about how to fight it. It's like, don't think about a pink elephant. Don't you dare think about a pink elephant. I'm not up here saying, don't you dare envy. Don't envy anybody. Don't envy that person that's got the nicer car than yours. Don't envy the person that doesn't have a jalopy like you have. Don't envy the person that doesn't live like a, live like a pauper and in a shack like you do. No. It won't help. It'll cause you to. The, the law stirs up sin, doesn't it? But there are some principles in the Word of God that through the power of the Spirit, if we will obey them, any one of these will knock envy out of the ballpark. And they're, yet, at the same time, they are um, sequential. You do one, you do, you do the next one. Number two, there's five things. Number five takes care of all of them. Number four takes care of the previous ones. They all take care of the previous ones. So we're heading towards the best one. But here's the first one that comes to mind. Remember to keep an eternal perspective. You are an eternal spirit having a temporary experience. On the earth. Don't put all your spiritual eggs. In your earth bound existence. Solomon said. Do not let your heart envy sinners. But be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. For surely there is a hereafter. And your hope. Will not be cut off. There may have, been time, may have been a time when, um, who was that guy that stole all that money? Madoff? There may have been a time when people envied Mr. Madoff. Nobody's envying him anymore, right? Truth finally, sometimes a lie goes around the world while Truth is putting his shoes on. Truth finally got him. He got caught. Now nobody envies the guy they, maybe they used to envy. So don't envy wicked people because nobody sins and gets by. Just don't temporarily they can because god is merciful he gives us room to repent amen Um, proverbs 24 verse 19 says do not fret because of evil doers nor be envious of the wicked for there will be no prospect for the evil man the lamp of the wicked will be put out david said in psalm 73 that the lord was good but as for me my foot almost stumbled my steps nearly slipped for i was envious of the boastful When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, for there were no pangs in their death, but their strength was firm. They're not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other people. And he just goes on, just whining and whining and whining about these people he was envious of. And verse 16 of Psalm 73 says, When I thought how to understand it, it was too painful for me, too painful for me, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. So never be envious of people who are able to be wicked and seemingly get by with it. Number two, stop comparing yourself to others. The root of envy is comparison. When we envy, we are comparing our weak traits to their strong traits. You're going to lose every time. Paul wrote, In his second letter to the church in Corinth. For we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves. With those who commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves. And comparing themselves among themselves. Are not wise. Don't do it. A Russian poet said. Envy is an insult to yourself. Harold Coffin said, envy is the art of counting the other fellow's blessings instead of your own. Olin Griffin, my pastor, says that envy is a pain created by seeing someone else's success. Bertrand Russell said, you may envy Napoleon, but Napoleon envied Caesar, and Caesar envied Alexander, and Alexander, I dare say, envied, envied Hercules, who never existed. Helmut Schoich said the envious man thinks that if his neighbor breaks a leg, he will be able to walk better himself. When we see valid achievements or virtue being attacked by someone viewing them as a mirror of their own inadequacy, they should be seeing those things as a beacon for excellence. Let's be inspired by one another's blessings and not depressed by them. If Michael Jordan had surrendered to envy in his sophomore year of high school when he was bumped off the team, he would never have become the awesome star that he was. Don't compare yourself. It was actually that year that made him You may seem hidden. You may walk in a room and seem to be invisible. It may be that God is keeping you hidden because it's not your time yet. He's putting this puzzle together. You ever put pieces of the puzzle together too early? When I put a puzzle together, I like to start on the outside. Work, work my, my way in. And maybe... Maybe the people you know who are experiencing favor right now are on the outside of God's puzzle and you're in the heart of God's puzzle. So enjoy the break. Enjoy it. Number three, give up your entitlement issues. Watch out for words like, you deserve it. I deserve it. You deserve a break today. You 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. The context of that is talking about sexual sin. Sometimes the root of sexual sin is envy. We are not our own. Don't be mad at someone else's success. Be mad at God. If you're going to be mad at someone. Rejoice of those who rejoice and trust your God. Hallelujah. What if. What if the man with the donkey. Well let me back up. On Palm Sunday Jesus rode a donkey into Jerusalem. Right. Fulfilling the prophecy. About a king who would ride on a donkey. How did Jesus get that donkey he sent his disciples to a certain place Said, there you'll see a man with a pitcher of water follow him when you get to that place tell the man you need his donkey and when he asks you why just tell him the master has need of him that's all we know about the guy with the donkey that may have been his whole purpose for existence and he just got to enjoy life and talk about the donkey he gave away what if he didn't want to serve the role the lord had for him and refused to give the donkey oh if i can't be one of the 12 you can just get your own donkey we've got to be willing to serve in the role that god has we are not entitled to be our own lord number four surrender to the lordship of jesus the lordship of jesus You may be three foot tall and want to be seven foot tall. The Lord made you three foot tall. Enjoy it. There's a, uh, I'm reminded of a pastor who had a church in Arlington for years called Arlington Christian Fellowship. His name, Jimmy Hester. Little bitty guy, powerful man. And he used to joke and say, I understand there's Some people here that are able to pray for people and see their legs grow out. I'd like for you to pray for both of mine. (laughs) Surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Romans 14, verse 7, For none of us lives to himself, and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We're his property. For to this end Christ died and rose and lived again that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. We don't live to ourselves, we don't die to ourselves. Christ died for us and in him in Him, we already died. Remember? He took our place on the cross and died. His death becomes our death. Ooh, there's another side to the coin of being born again. We are dead christ lives in us we reckon that to be true therefore if he lives in us then let him be envious he's not going to be but my life isn't mine he's is the lord if he cared for me enough to die for me he cares for me enough to see me succeed in the calling he has for us Number five, final point, live for Jesus Christ and his assignments and not for your own. For the love of Christ compels us, 2 Corinthians five fourteen, because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. By putting our faith in him. His death becomes our death. His punishment becomes ours. And we are freed from sin's penalty. Alright. You see that? He took our place. But now we stand in his place. To live his will. In life. So you see salvation isn't just fire insurance. To keep from going to hell. And be eternally separated from God. It's the will of God it's the kingdom of God that we've been born into so he took our place and died for us and we take his place and live for him not for ourselves years ago during desert storm I was in a tough place in my life and um, I read an article uh, written about a chaplain that was baptizing hundreds of soldiers hundreds of soldiers in the desert during the Kuwait war They were digging holes in the sand, putting a tarpaulin in there and pouring out bottles of water to get enough money to immerse, enough water depth to immerse people. Hundreds of soldiers were getting baptized. I read that and I didn't feel like rejoicing because I was parking cars for a living. I hated that job. Working nights, I didn't like that. Helping take care of my mother-in-law and living in a fixer-upper house. My mother-in-law had Alzheimer's. She lived with us for two and a half years. At the time, we thought it was going to be the rest of our lives. You don't know when the end of it was. And in a tough place. And reading about somebody else's testimony and their ministries flourishing, it just bothered me. Envy hit me. You know, you, you don't envy somebody you don't know. Or you don't envy somebody that's not in a similar a peer situation and i wanted to preach the gospel um you know i don't envy michael jordan but if i was a pro basketball player i might see um if you're a pro golfer you might envy tiger woods maybe not right now but and so as a minister um i had this envy thing in my heart and i ran to the lord and i says lord this hurts i'm 33 look at me my life sucks And the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance of when Jesus was 33 in his prime and had to go to the cross. Okay, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. My life is blessed. (laughs) Yvette walked through something recently. Can you come up, darling, and share that? Temptation to be envious. Victory. Here we go. Hallelujah. Want me to set it up for you, you Tom?
2: Okay. Hi. You have to promise me I'm going to be very vulnerable right now and transparent. So before I start, go ahead and say we love you, that. You, and you're going to love me after the story, right? Say so, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just send it clear. This time last year, I was getting ready to go to Africa, to my country, Zimbabwe. Cindy Neal traveled with me, and we were part of um, rebirthing a nation in a very amazing summit at Victoria Falls. And um, long story short, it was a wonderful honor to be able to go back and uh, do what I felt like the Lord had told me to do prophetically and to declare prophetically and, and to connect with my roots again and the Lord definitely spoke to my heart that I would have 10 years of travel ahead of me and that I would be going back and forth and there would be opportunities to, to help raise my country back up and bring it to the place that God called it to be at. So came home just filled and excited and rejoicing in what it, God had done and excited to go back and went for a debriefing of our trip to Houston. Cindy accompanied me. I think Alan was with me. And at that um, meeting, I found out that one of the women who was on our team that I ministered with was asked to go back to speak at a women's conference in my country. I didn't even know about it. And I love this lady, and she's highly gifted. But I immediately had thoughts of, well, what am I, chopped liver? You know, didn't I prophesy? Didn't I set the stage? Wasn't God moving through the things that God gave me to say? Weren't people lining up for me to pray for? There were literally people at the end of that conference that were lining up and would bow before me and say, just lay hands on me and bless me. Just lay hands on me and bless me. And now they don't even ask me to come back and speak in my country. What is up with that? And the Lord, first of all, dealt with the pride in my heart. And then... I just wrestled with this for a while and it was kind of driving me crazy because as much as I was delighted that this woman's conference was going to happen and that my friend whom I administered with was going to speak at it, i still, it really did a number on me and my identity. So one day in my brokenness, I just said, God, who am I in this picture in redeveloping my nation? Who am I? And he said, go to the word. I want to show you who you are. And as I was opening the Bible, the story of Naaman and the servant girl came to my mind immediately. For those of you who don't know who Naaman is, at some point you can write this down and read this story. Second Kings chapter 5. So the Lord said, open up the Bible. And as I opened it, it fell open to the story of Naaman and the servant girl. I'm like, okay, you got my attention. And I began to read, and I talked about a young girl who was seized from her country of Israel. I always have Jewish roots as a Jewish woman. And she was taken to Syria, and she became the servant girl of Naaman and his wife. And in this story, the servant girl knew that Naaman was a powerful man of valor, and he had leprosy in his hands. He was a leper, but he was a mighty man of valor. And the servant girl said, oh, if only my my master, Naaman, could go to see the prophet Elisha in Israel, he would get healed of leprosy. She told that to her mistress and her mistress told that to Naaman. Naaman, wanting to be healed, went to the king of Syria at the time and said, hey, the servant girl said "This and this and this and that. And if I go see this guy named Elisha, who's a prophet in Israel, I'll get healed of leprosy. And so he went. And bottom line, he got healed and restored. And as a result of that, he knew at that moment that there was no other God in the earth that was greater than the God of Israel. That servant girl's name was not mentioned. You don't even know who she is. He is mentioned again, Naaman. In Luke chapter four verse twenty-seven, and it says, during that time in 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 the area of Assyria, Assyria, that there were many lepers, and Elisha was living in that time, and only one leper was cleansed, and that was Naaman. The servant girl is not mentioned, and but if she had not obeyed and been at the right place in the right time, Naaman would not have been healed he would not have received the word of the Lord. And the Lord said to me, Yvette, you are that servant girl. And I'm keeping you hidden away. There will be times when I'll raise you up and send you out and speak. But I'm keeping you hidden away from me because you would be a huge target and you could get killed. But the time will come, you must wait on me. Don't try and work out your own agenda. And don't be envious of what's going on with other people when you see them being raised up, you are that servant girl. Stay within the assignment that I've given you. And I had the pleasure of of ministering that word to the man whom I believe will be the president of Zimbabwe, who is a black man. And when I was raised in in Africa, I had servants. Now I am the servant to this black man. And I told him, I'm called to serve you. Whatever that looks like. And that came out of a broken heart. And it came out of a heart of realizing I had envy inside. Hey, once I repented of it, I was free. And so now my husband's thrilled because I'm not biting at the bits. Got to go back to Africa. It's time now. It's time now. He's thrilled. And when the winter time is right, it will happen. But right now, the way I see myself is as a servant girl who's called to stay in assignment with what the Lord has to do. And I am free of envy. Yeah.
0: I think I have a much more peaceful wife. Somehow there's been a rip, ripple effect. It's <laughs> just been awesome. Yeah. So um, as we deal with issues in our life, those who are, we are in relationship with are blessed. <laughs> Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would speak to every heart in this room this morning. Put your finger on envy if it's there. And help us to surrender our ownership to your lordship. And our entitlement to your spirit. Our entitlement to your ownership. Our ownership to your lordship. Holy Spirit, bring freedom. Make us willing to do all that you would have us to do. Lord, dethrone every ounce of pride. Just dethrone it. Make us willing to be servants for your glory. And, Lord, we know that the key to greatness is becoming less. What a mystery. Those who are least in the kingdom, you said, would be greater than John the Baptist. I thank you, Lord, that we're in the company of great ones. May we esteem one another more highly than we esteem ourselves and truly, genuinely rejoice. And, Lord, I pray for those of us who have had Dark thoughts about someone that we resented help us to see, Lord, that the problem isn't in the person. But it's, in our, it's in our eyes. It's in our perspective. It's in our own heart. Remove the lens of envy from our eyes so that we can see through eyes of love. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and read this together. Therefore, which is because of what he just previously said about the power of the eternal Word of God at the end of chapter 1. Let's read it together. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, That you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Let's say the Lord is gracious. gracious. All the time. the time. The The Lord is gracious. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And may envy have no place in our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all are awesome. Give yourselves a hand.